feminism is not trying to take from men, but just trying to raise to the same level as what men have. All right, but now you robbing me. We've already seen how men can run the world because they've been doing it, and men are there's been a lot of messed up things that have happened because of it. You need Jesus. I think it's time for women to actually have a voice. To me, feminism is about equity, much more than it is about equality. Well, the result of that kind of thinking is that American kids now have a totally deluded and unearned belief in their charm, brains, and talent. The only defense against seductive lies is a strong worldview. One seductive lie in particular parades around as compassionate, but as you can see here from the feminist at MSNBC, they don't really care about protecting women. Casey DeSantis is a fairly compelling political figure in Florida and now nationally. For many, she's the brighter side to Florida's angry governor. For others, she's become America's Karen. And I think that's the ultimate disconnect here. Oh, America's Karen, David Jolly. <laughs> there's, there's all kinds of names for her. She needs to stop trying to measure the great drapes in the White House and think that she's some kind of Jackie O reincarnate. I mean, Casey DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> The moment these fools get to attack a strong woman, trust me, they'll do it. Feminism for them is nothing more than a tool to try to beat people over the head with. And the patriarchy is nothing more for them than an enemy they get to point out without ever describing it. Like white supremacy and the Epstein suicide, it doesn't exist. If it's an effective tool for revolution, they'll use it. But the moment a strong woman stands up and promotes traditional values, biblical morality, and common sense, she will quickly become a target of feminists. Just look at how quickly J.K. Rowling was turned on by her fans the moment she posited the radical notion that a man is not a woman and that sex organs kind of matter. Think that, but just 10 times more, and then you will have the way real women are treated by the modern left and feminists in particular. Because we all know, feminism is not truly beneficial to women. Beyond the contributions of first-wave feminism, it has been one of the most destructive forces in human history. Beginning in the 1960s and then finally taking its full effect in the 80s and beyond, the movement is behind some of the most destructive forces in history, like the destruction of the nuclear family. From 1960 to 1980, there was a 136% increase in divorce. Second-wave feminism is behind over 60 million babies that have been aborted since 1960. In 1960, 292 babies were aborted. And then, fast forward 40 years later, and about 1.3 million babies were aborted in the year 2000. And it will probably come as a little surprise to you that the feminist movement is also behind the transgender movement. After decades of working to try to abolish the distinction between men and women, they have successfully created a generation of people that think that men can get pregnant and women can have penises. Shulamith Firestone, one of the leading advocates of second wave feminism, said this, Quote, the end goal of the socialist revolution was not only the elimination of economic class privilege, but of the economic class distinction itself. So the end goal of feminist revolution must be not just the elimination of the male privilege, but the sex distinction itself. To combat bad ideas, you need infinitely good ideas. And there is one that outshines them all. And that's what we'll talk about today on Indie Thinker.
Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and to check out today's show's sponsor. Sincerely, it helps us a great deal when you go over to these guys and let them know that you were sent by IndieThinker. And today's show sponsor is a fantastic organization, and they can help you with all of your small business needs. They can help you with payroll, accounting, bookkeeping, staffing, and even help you with business strategies to take your business to the next level. Trust me, Devan and his team have helped us over here at IndieThinker in such an amazing way. So if you want to see how you can take your financial future into your own hands by starting a business or by taking your business to the next level, then you need to go to Anchor. That's A-N-C-U-R dot B-I-Z. A-N-C-U-R dot B-I-Z for all of your small business solutions. So put legs underneath that vision. It's time you started believing for something better. And Anchor can help you do that and so much more. And when you go over there, let them know that IndieThinker sent you. Now, I want to start the show on a kind of somber note today because at age 70, uh, Paul Rubens, otherwise known as Pee Wee Herman, is dead. Now, this happened on Monday, so it's not exactly breaking news, but I figured would be important for those of you who watched Pee Wee Herman growing up and know the show as a very odd, incredibly eccentric show loaded with sexual innuendo. And if you don't know, take a trip down memory lane and uh, look on YouTube to for some of the sexual innuendo in Pee Wee Herman. And then you'll see how incredibly weird the show was. You'll come away thinking, why in the world did my parents ever let me watch this show? Uh, but then you'll also notice a one-of-a-kind talent in uh, Paul Rubens there. Pee Wee himself has passed on. Now, in other odd news, because the only reason I told that story is just to set you up for a very weird story, unlike anything I've ever told on the show before, but one that I think needs to be pointed out, a manatee just recently died, and um, I want to tell you why. So, according to Yahoo News, beloved Florida manatee's death at Aquarian came after traumatic sex injury records show. That's right. Show opener today, manatee sex. Now... Bear with me for just a moment because I'm going to tell you why this manatee died and then all will become very clear. So hang with me here. So the story goes on to say, The death of Hugh, a 38-year-old manatee who died in April at Sarasota, Florida's Mote Marine Aquarium and Laboratory could have been prevented, according to new records, the detail that beloved animals, that detail the beloved animal's death. Now, Already, very, very sad note. We could have prevented this beautiful animal's death. Well, how could we have prevented that exactly uh, from this sex injury? Hugh died from a 14.5 centimeter rip in his colon and other traumatic injuries caused by a sexual encounter with another larger male manatee at the facility. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there it is. That's the story. So apparently, Hugh was accosted by another male manatee and forced to have anal sex in a 14.5 centimeter, which is a very big cut, by the way, uh, in his colon, killed the poor guy. Now, that not only is one of the most horrible ways to go out, but you might be able to tell in advance kind of where I'm going here. And just to prove that you get stories here that you don't find anywhere else, I wanted to to give you this story. But here's the first point about this unfortunate story and Hugh's passing. He will be missed. Um, feminism has taught us through the sexual revolution that casual sex is a means to find real freedom. Hopefully by now we can tell that casual sex has led to a litany of STIs and STDs, uh, has led to um, 
these kind of encounters that we saw with our friend Hugh here, and all sorts of other things. Um, It should be well known at this point, well documented at this point, that the proliferation of OnlyFans has only caused men to have less testosterone, less real kind of engagement with actual real girls, and a inability to function as a real man in society because he's too interested in staying in his room all hours of the night looking at girls that will never have anything to do with him. So sexual, casual sexual freedom has actually not been freeing at all. It's actually been incredibly devastating. It's only sad that I have to show you the death of Hugh to get to this place with you all. Now, the other point about the sexual revolution that I think is important to remind ourselves of is this, is that the sexual revolution taught us that consent is the ultimate virtue. As long as you can consent to anything, well, then by all means do it. This is where we got kind of the argument in the 90s with the... Uh, the gay marriage argument that, hey, what do you care about what two consenting adults do in their bedroom? How is that any of your business? Well, when it's tearing 14.5 centimeter, you know, um, uh, tears in people's colon, it does it does cause an issue. So at least for Hugh's sake, we really care and our hearts go out to Hugh's family. Now, one of the reasons that we care beyond the damage, which I'll get to in just a minute, that um, that anal sex actually causes, is we care about the idea beyond that, that first of all, you can redefine marriage to just basically be anything you want. So does that mean polygamy and marriage to a child? Is That's marriage and they're all the same? Uh, and why even have those laws on the book if there isn't actually a clear-cut, real definition of marriage? Beyond that, the idea that consent is the ultimate virtue and not morality is the real problem here. So the idea that we, as long as two consenting adults consent to something, then it's fine, is is a ridiculous notion because there is a greater virtue above consent because you can consent to anything. And two consenting adults, I mean, do we forget that crazy people exist? Anyway, uh, the, the ultimate virtue here is not consent, it's morality. This is kind of the problem with the whole Me Too movement is that consent is kind of a funny thing. It's a real, frankly, arbitrary idea because we don't know who was consenting to sex with Harvey Weinstein so that they could make it a little bit further in in their career. And we don't know the people who were forced to do it. All we're left to to do is consider basically the feelings of an individual in the moment, what they actually said and what they actually did and all of that stuff. And I'm not trying to condone anything that that either party has done in, in that whole scenario. I'm just trying to tell you this. A much more clearer and concise way to view things in society is not through the lens of consent. Just because you're a consenting adult doesn't mean that you get to do whatever you want. Um, the, the, the ultimate virtue is obviously not consent, it's morality, that which is right. The reason we don't like morality is because it pushes us to religious thought, and most people don't want that as a truly limiting principle. But, you know, feminism has taught us to throw off the Puritanism of the past and the patriarchy and all forms of kind of inhibition in our sexual desire to push those all to the side because that's just men trying to control who you are. When point of fact, we might be discovering now in the present that some of those quote unquote puritanical, you know, ideas about sex might have actually been a really good safeguard in society because the final point in all of this is that one of the things that you just won't hear on other shows and probably perhaps where you thought I was going with this from the very beginning if you were 
kind of being intuitive, is that you will never hear about the danger of redefining sex. And and in this case in particular, you will never hear about the dangers of anal sex because it's actually a very, very dangerous sexual, dangerous sexual practice. It's actually associated as one of the most dangerous, dangerous sexual practices that can be participated in. And for that, I want to take you to a Guardian article to confirm the very idea. Now, to bring you the danger of redefining sex, I had to really, really search and bring you kind of an interesting article because you all know that there can't be any serious outlet that condemns anal homosexual sex because, of course, GLAD will come after them and sue them the very next day. Even though it is considered one of the most dangerous sexual practices, There is nobody that has, in the mainstream media at least, the kind of courage and the boldness that it takes to actually tell you the truth about the dangers of anal sex. So to do that, I had to go all the way to the Guardian and find a feminist article defending women who are having heterosexual anal sex and then read what they have to say about this issue because it is actually very, very dangerous. So this art, this article is just simply trying to protect women, but in, in the process, the mask slips a little bit and they actually tell you the truth about this very dangerous sexual practice. And it says this, quote, the consequences of anal sex include incontinence and sexually transmitted infections as well as pain and bleeding because they have experienced bodily trauma. So in other words, anal sex is tantamount to bodily trauma while engaging in the practice. The doctors write in an article in the British Medical Journal. Tabitha Ghana and Leslie Hunt also argued that doctors' reluctance to discuss the risks associated with anal sex was leading women to being harmed by the practice and letting down a generation of women who are not aware of the potential problems. Now, what exactly would cause these doctors and other experts to have hesitancy discussing the dangers of anal sex? I'll give you about three seconds to come up with the answer because that's all it's going to actually take for you to really know why they won't talk about how dangerous and how bad it is for you. Now, let's just agree here. Maybe (laughs) agree to disagree with some of you who are on the far left. That simulating a vagina is probably a bad idea. God gave women what they needed for men to try to reverse engineer the exit as the entrance is a very troubling and potentially harmful practice. We're not told this enough by anybody in the mainstream, and so here you are relegated to hearing it from me. Yes, a Christian evangelical conservative, finally pleading with you all to pay attention to what is right in front of your face. That when you do things that violate nature, there is a repercussion for it all. And most importantly, that the kind of way we treat sex in the present, this sacred and holy thing that is supposed to be shared between a husband and a wife, is causing major damage and issues well beyond what we even can tell at this present point in society. But I hope we all know the bigger story among all of this is that there is an agenda out there and feminism has been one of the main culprits in spreading it, that if we violate fundamental truths, we can use whatever lies is necessary to get to, to push forth our agenda. 
Now, that's been happening, especially on the issue of race, as we'll see in our next story. That brings us to Stone Mountain, the theme park in Georgia. Civil rights groups condemn Soul Fest concerts at Georgia Park with giant Confederate carving. So at Stone Mountain, and you'll see it on the screen if you're watching, if not, just take my word for it. There's a Confederate carving on the side of Stone Mountain that shows Stonewall Jackson because it's a stone wall. I mean... Ding, ding. Yes, it's on the nose. But nonetheless, so this Confederate carving is somehow supposed to be oppressive to black people just the moment they see it. And therefore, Stone Mountain having soul, soul fast at their theme park is nothing more than the KKK back at it again, trying to host a black concert. So the article goes on and it says this. Civil rights group and other advocates denounced a concert series with black performers dubbed Soul Fest that is being held at Georgia Park replete with Confederate imagery, including a giant carving of Confederate leaders. Stone Mountain Park, just outside of Atlanta, is where the Ku Klux Klan marked its rebirth in 1915. Its colossal mountainside sculpture of General Robert E. Lee, Confederate President Jefferson Davis, and General Thomas J. Stonewall Jackson is the largest Confederate monument ever crafted that has special protection enshrined in Georgia law. And of course, the Soul Fest concert series is a way to normalize and sanitize the hateful message of the park, said Atlanta NAACP President Richard Rose. Sorry, Richard, it's payday someday, but uh, you're not getting paid for this today. All you're getting out of this is a Yahoo News article and nothing more. So that's all the publicity you deserve anyway. So let me show you a picture, a promotional picture for Soul Fest, and you tell me if you can spot in this picture the black faces that represent white supremacy. Yep, there they are, right there. Not only should we bring down the patriarchy, but we have to bring down those people that ain't black because they want to go to Soul Fest in Atlanta, Georgia, basically, to listen to soul music. Now, just to try to undergird perhaps the ridiculousness of complaining about this show, let me give you the show lineup. Or let me rephrase, to show you how the KKK really truly is behind this and how this is normalizing white supremacy, let me give you the show lineup that's, that's on display here because Jason Aldean, yep, is uh, not on the list, but these people are. Thursday is going to bring in Philadelphia soul and R&B group, The Stylistics. My God. Friday, behind, Friday, behold the powerhouse vocals of Tasha Cobb's Leonard with ambitious arrangements that draw on everything from worship and gospel to country pop and R&B. Can you just hear the white supremacy rattling off the tongue of her gospel music. Saturday, enjoy the electrifying R&B funk and soulful ballads of Daz Band. Oh my God, the nooses are already coming out Sunday. Prince fans will rejoice with world premiere Prince tribu tribute artist Marshall Charloff and the Purple Experience. And then, of course, Monday, the all-white janitorial staff will come up and clean up to utterly reveal their white privilege at the park. Or perhaps this is really what's going on. Yet another seductive lie that tries to extort people through emotional blackmail is being foisted upon the American public. And that seductive lie here is one that has to do with race, but feminism is also a culprit in the same way. And the emotional blackmail says this. So if you don't support feminism, does that mean you hate women? And of course, if you don't support this outrage over Stone Mountain holding soul fast, well, then, of course, that means you hate black people, right? 
Because who would stand for this kind of this kind of injustice? Well, of course, it's emotional blackmail just even in that that sentiment, right? That that there's some kind of injustice going on. Now, before we go to our final segment, I just want to bring this up. Why does emotional blackmail work? By and large, this is why. Because the puritanical and moralistic, um, uh, you know, problematic religion of Christianity is really what what many of these people are using against the people who, whether they believe it or not, at least have become a partaker of the Christian virtues and the Christian ethic that is so interwoven in, in our society. Here's what I mean by that, is that the sympathy and the compassion for other is something that is given to us by Christianity. And the people in the feminist movement and those in the radical racial movements that promote CRT and the like, those people are simply extorting the better nature of people who just want to go along to get along, who want to be nice to others, don't want to have any issues with other people, and the last thing in the world that they would ever want to be is considered racist. These swindlers, these race hucksters, these race card players know it. And by virtue of that fact, it means that our society is incredibly not racist. But, uh, but they want to take advantage of it. And they want to take advantage of it because the vast majority of people who will be emotionally blackmailed will not take a stand and do so because they are afraid of the social repercussions. Now, I speak a lot about speaking out. And I think that's incredibly important because I think the vast majority of Christians know the right answers to many of the things that I will address on my show. And they need to share those things. They need to be a life-giving source of information. As, I've, as I try to be on this show, but more importantly, because this also needs to be said, the reason a lot of Christians aren't more vocal about these kind of things is because they do not have the kind of worldview that can stand against the seductive lies that are told by the modern left. So it's so important that you take the time to do what you need to do to inform yourself about what's going on. This show is only just a small piece of that. Hopefully this show is, a, is something that whets your appetite to help you go deeper and to, to research and to know a little bit more about the feminist movement so that you can actually see what's really behind it. And by the way, if you need a recommendation as far as that's concerned, maybe some helpful information that can help you dig a little bit deeper, I would highly encourage you to look at the book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern, Triumph of the Modern Self, because that book by Carl Truman is absolutely, I think, one of the most important books of the last decade and will give you everything that you need to know about the feminist movement and why it should be withstood. And and by the way, so much more than that. But I guess there's another book too, if you want to get to it, and we'll talk about it a little bit in our final segment, Bible Study with Democrats. Oh, God of Pronouns. Days before Pride Month, six people were tragically killed by a woman pretending to be a man at a Christian school in Nashville. Shortly after that, another horrific statement was made by a woman pretending to have a conscience, also in Nashville. Here's Kamala Harris extolling the virtues of killing your unborn baby. So the um, district court in the abortion medication uh, decision came down today. I haven't read it yet, so I'm going to do an analysis of it. But as a general matter, I'll say that there is no question that the president and I are going to stand with the women of America and do everything we can to ensure that women have the ability to make decisions about their health care, their reproductive health care, in, in a manner that is, is, is what they need, and they decide that, not their government. 
God lover. If the left has a liturgy, it's my body, my choice. The unthinking mantra possesses all the same vigor and mindless adherence of a Jonestown believer. Forget that the body in your body isn't your body and follow me here. If the body in your body was your body, when you ended the life of that body, the woman would die also with the baby. But because the body of that baby isn't your body, it's not just a choice, and all of you who are on the pro-choice side are freaking liars. If you really require logic and reason, you won't find it in feminism. You won't find it in the kind of feminism that Kamala Harris gives here or that you find in the Barbie movie, by the way. You'll only find a trail of babies. Here's one of the clearest ads I've ever seen pointing out the fact that the ideology of abortion makes totally no sense. Thanks, feminism. Human rights. You may think you've always had yours, but you would be wrong. So how did you get your human rights? From the magical birth canal, of course. Disclaimer. Birth canal is not the size of an actual birth canal. Just saying. Before the baby or fetus is born, it is not a human being. Clearly. But as it passes through the birth canal, something amazing happens that transforms it into a person with human rights. Observe. Not a person. Not a person. Not a person. Coming out the other end. A person! Human rights! Congratulations. You now have value. Can't say the same for this one. So what exactly happens in the birth canal that causes this magical transformation? No one knows. But popular scientific theories include fairies, aliens, or of course, a mini Big Bang. I think it's fairies. No human rights? Human rights. No human rights? Human rights. Makes sense. Thanks, magical birth canal. Science, logic, magic, human rights. Now, I posted this video on social media, and it is truly epic. And pro-lifers are doing a much better job at satirizing obvious lies and ridiculous notions that have been promoted in the culture for far too long who needed this kind of treatment. So pro-lifers are doing a better job of that. But of course, after posting this, some of my great admiring fans had some things to say in the comment section about this video that has blown up since. One of them said this, the United States Constitution clearly states you do not have rights in the United States until you're born into the United States and or become a legal citizen through a test. It's literally written in law for hundreds of years, okay? <laughs> literally. It's literally written in laws for hundreds of years, really, is it? Um, by the way, there are other ways to become a legal citizen in Joe Biden's regime other than just through a test. Um, you can also just grab a bunch of fentanyl, a couple human slaves, and uh, just walk right in if you wish. Um, but uh, literally written in law for hundreds of years, huh? Now, I can only assume here, since the vast majority of what was just said was nothing but a screed and illogical, but I'm going to try to give this person the benefit of the doubt here. Because there's probably other people who think just like this person, that you don't get human rights until you come out of the magical birth canal. Come on, man. You're not you're not allowed any rights. Now, forget about the fact that, like, the, the deer who's killed in off-season that is also pregnant, that you are charged with two counts of violating, you know, hunting during the off-season. Forget the fact that you can't kill a mother that's pregnant with your child because you didn't want to have the baby or else you get two manslaughter charges. Forget any of that nonsense. And here we have the brilliant effervescent belief that I'm assuming the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution all clearly states, you don't get any of these rights until you're born. 
You hear me, babies? Now, let me just give you a for instance of why this is so ridiculous. The declaration starts with this kind of ironic statement, don't you think? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain and unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, anyone? So actually murdering a baby isn't included in the Declaration of Independence, sorry. And maybe the Constitution. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. Establish justice? Ensure domestic tranquility? Now, who of you thinks that abortion does any of that? How about common defense? I would think that perhaps abortion might actually be something that you need to defend against since that vacuum does suck out your spinal cord. Unfortunately, our declaration in our Constitution does protect babies in the womb or out of it. It wasn't until feminism came along that we started making that distinction. Even if it didn't, who cares? Logic, common sense, and reason all confer rights upon a baby. It is feminism that has brought this distinction about in utero and ex utero. For that, I give you Mr. Tim Poole once again, ladies and gentlemen. Does it have personhood? It's human rights, not personhood rights. So yes. is it a human? Well, I look at a zygote yes. and I can't determine. You cannot determine from another animal's zygote. So, well, you can actually. Maybe on the naked eye looking at it, it's too small to see. So in that sense, you can't. But as biologists know, how do you know what something is? You look at the parents. So a single cell embryo has a human mother and a human father. A single cell elephant embryo has an elephant mother and an elephant but father. So we know it's that, a human. That, that's just inductive reason. No, no, this question is nonsensical. Whether or not you can recognize what something is doesn't change what it is. I can't tell if it's gold or pyrite. Does it change it from gold or pyrite? If there is a human life and you're like, well, I can't tell if it's human or not. That's like saying someone who's had a disfigurement may not be human. It doesn't matter if you call it a fetus or you call it a baby. The moment new DNA is formed, guess what that is? A new life form. I know you don't like science and the experts until you're trying to force experimental COVID vaccines in people's arms. But if you actually care to pay attention, then when that new DNA is formed, means that it has the right to be protected and it has the right to live without you stepping in just simply because you have a college career to think about. So here's where I have to speak to you soccer moms and more broadly other Christians that are sitting on the sidelines. This is much like what I talked about last Tuesday with Jordan Peterson, but I see it more and more and more. And it's, it's actually kind of burdening to me to see so many non-Christians speak up as a Christian should while Christians sit on the sidelines. So yes, Temple is not even a Christian. How can he stand up for the unborn more than us? It's time for us to take our faith out of the esoteric and into the real world. What are we going to do to take a stand for life? What are you doing to push against the ideology of the culture of death? What can you do, even if you're not speaking out presently, to gain the confidence to speak out? If you're not using your social media right now to do it, then I don't care how many pictures of your kids you post. You don't defend life. And I don't care how much you would say that you're pro-life. If you do not take the time to actually protect those who need your help right now, then it's, it's hard to say that you're anything other than somebody who is pontificating and navel-gazing. 
I hope we can all see by now that feminism has been a net evil for the world, and whenever Christians truly take a stand, it is a net good for the world. I know, there's been bumps and bruises along the way, and people who were supposedly Christians in the Crusades and all of that stuff didn't do such a great job of ensuring our reputation moving forward. But by and large, that is a blip in history compared to what Christians have done throughout history who have taken the time to actually stand up for what's right. If there is an ideology right now in the present, and that's why I single out you soccer moms, because you are the ones who have the most influence against it. If there is an ideology in the present that needs to be resisted, it is feminism. Don't just take your kids glibly to Barbie and then post it on social media. You've done a disservice to your kids and to the rest of the world. Actually inform yourself about what feminism is and then do the best you can to push against it with the righteous truth of God's word. As you do so, you'll be contradicting Kamala Harris and all the other lies that have cost the lives of so many other unborn babies. Now, if that was helpful to you, I'd love to hear from you down in the comments section. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and to go with God.